Welcome to the Nomad Podcast. I am your host, Nomad, and today we will be discussing the topic of star forts with Matt from the Great Deception Podcast. How's it going, Matt? Oh, man, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm super blessed to have you on. You do a great job at presenting details on all sorts of topics, but I've really loved the work you've done on star forts, and it's not a topic I've dug into much. So I'm excited to see what new perspectives and new information you've gathered uh, since your recent presentations. Yeah, it's one of those where, you know, I keep going back to it. There's two things that have my attention. You know, as soon as somebody says it, I'll drop whatever I'm doing and go pay attention. And it's the Chicago World's Fair from 1893 and Star Forks. These two things just I don't know what it is, but they they interest me to no end. And Star Forks is one that I've been looking at now probably for about over a year. And my perspective has changed a lot on them, I guess you would say. Um, based on the research that I've done. But at the same time, I don't think it's as simple as we've been told. For sure. And yeah, I think that makes sense having that correlation of the world fairs and the star forts because they both sort of have that cymatic feel to them, right? There's there's some resonance involved uh, in one way or another. That's for sure. Well, and I just had uh, my buddy Casey uh, from Golden Gate Star Fort Command, ironically, uh, he just sent me some pictures this morning of uh, Fort Dearborn in Chicago, which apparently was a star fort in Chicago that was on the grounds that where they held the World's Fair. Interesting. So, so I got to dig into that. He just dropped that on me this morning. So this is like brand new information to me. I haven't even had a chance to like dive into it anymore. So um, okay, cool. I'm interested. But I've seen, and, and you'll see later here in, in this little presentation I have, um, that there was a star fort in Chicago in the 1770s. Um, and, and it was Fort Dearborn. And you look on the map and man, it's, I never put two and two together, but he, he dropped it on me today. So now that's another one I'll add to this eventually. And, and see, like you were talking about, they kind of interconnect. Awesome. So stay tuned and follow Matt at the Great Deception Podcast to hear more about that. Thanks, man. Yeah, yes. I, I enjoy this stuff. I like, see, like like we were talking about before, um, you know, a lot of people like to just look at the the topics and just see it and, okay, go through it and then move on. Some of this stuff, I, I like to do that, but there's some of these things that get me and I have to dive deep into it. And unfortunately, I got extreme OCD when it comes to this stuff. So if I get on something, I just keep going and going and going to the point of, you know, some of the topics have gone to exhaustion and I just can't do them anymore. But this one, it's, it's amazing because you keep finding out new pieces. And, and one of the, the new um, aspects of it that I'll bring tonight are two of the more infamous creators of Star Forts or architects um, of Star Forts, uh, a gentleman by the name of Vauban and another man named uh, Cohorn. And these two gentlemen just are credited basically with creating the majority of the Star Forts, you know, like a lot of the other stories we hear um, in the narrative is they tend to credit a person with just these amazing feats, these numbers that can't be matched today, really. So, you know, and it makes you wonder, are these actual people, did they do this or are they characters? 
in, in, in the story that they're presenting us. So, right. uh, it's, or, it's or were they, were they propped up as that person, right? For a reason as like the front, the face of it. Exactly. Yes. Credited with it. Like Edison, right? right? I mean, Edison, you look at, he's credited with basically everything. Half the right. stuff he stole. And then the other half they gave to him and said, okay, you're going to be the face of this. Just play ball. Um, and that's you're, you're absolutely right. That's what we see over and over again. And you see it uh, throughout history that people are just credited with just these astronomical feats that, you know, in reality, they probably didn't do all of it. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm excited. I'm glad that you brought up that because I what that was one of my questions is like, who who's behind all of these? Or at least who do they tell us? So I'm excited yeah. to get to that point. But we can go through your presentation. I'll throw it on the screen here. And yeah, we can just go in whatever order you want, but uh, go ahead and kick it off when you're ready. Yeah, basically what, what I did, and this is my, again, OCD brain. I, I like things organized. So presentations and visuals work for me. So, uh, you know, along the way, I, I, I have vast amounts of pictures and things. So anybody that watches this and, you know, has questions or wants more information or more stuff, I, I have files that I am more than willing to share. Um, yeah. And, and for those listening, uh, where can they find the video versions? Where's the best place for them? Um, video versions uh, can be found on YouTube at the Great Deception Podcast. Um, and I have them on my Patreon also, um, which is patreon.com slash the Great Deception Podcast. Um, and then I'm trying to think I'm, I'm going to be working on Odyssey eventually as well, um, okay. because I've had a lot of stuff taken off YouTube and cool. it's, it's okay. getting ridiculous. Great. Yeah, I just want to make sure people know that they can find the visuals if they want to. And then also for our visuals on Nomad, you can go to nomad.art and also Patreon slash Nomad. Um, but yeah, yeah and the other place in. also I forgot to say is on uh, Spotify. If you want to watch the the podcast oh, right. on there, yeah, okay, some cool. of my some of my podcasts are on video over on Spotify as well. I know the Star Forts are, the World Fair ones are. I made sure anyone that's really visual, I put the video up on Spotify also. So YouTube, Spotify, or Patreon, go check them out. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, so basically, and, and this is something I've been getting into, uh, if anybody listens to my podcast with Matthew Smith, who's uh, an architect from the Seattle area that I've just hooked up with in the last couple months, and he's a brilliant guy. And we've been talking a lot about this, about music being liquid architecture and, and architecture is just basically frozen music when when it boils down to it. It's all energy. You know, we're, we're all energy. So when we start looking at these structures and and the layouts, what we start seeing with Star Forts is one, they're all over the world. And this map right here that we're looking at is is kind of a generalization. It's it's not as accurate as it, it should be. There are far more. Um, there are star forts in Russia. There are star, star forts in Northern Africa. Um, they're all over the world. Um, and all of a sudden, we're told in about 1500, they just start popping up in Italy. Well, one of the things that I'm into is, is the energy side of things, right? The energetic value of, of, of things. And one of the things that I'm, I'm digging into more and, and constantly looking into is, is what is the relation between these and ley lines? And, and anyone that's not familiar with ley lines, they're energetic lines on, on the earth's grid 
And supposedly the ancients built a lot of their structures on these lines. Um, you look at the pyramids, you, you across the globe, you look at star forts, you look at cathedrals, a lot of buildings and um, statues, anything of significance usually tends to fall in these ley lines, large cities, things like that. And some people say they have magnetic value. Some say it's energetic. Some say it's, you know, some sort of crystalline line that has some um, special properties. But there's something to these lines. Now, the issue I have with, you know, a map like this is there's so many different varieties of ley line maps that I don't know which one would be accurate. So we go with just a general, here's what ley lines are. There's a variety of maps. Now we have to nail down a correlation here. And there, there's, there's actually a book I just finished reading um, a few months ago on cathedrals in France and how they're all laid out on the ley lines. And, and there's a, a geometric pattern to the way they're laid out. So very interesting stuff. And there may be something to it. Um, you don't see these buildings that are built of such significance just for a memorial, a tomb. They have energetic value. I mean, some would say that the pyramids are are giant batteries. Others say they're giant resonators. Um, who knows? But what we do know is that they aren't ancient tombs. So that leads us to star forts. Well, what's interesting about star forts is they tend to have sacred geometric patterns. And again, what we're looking at here is another version of ley lines. This would be the, you know, essentially the sacred flower, the flower of life ley line. If you were to look on a, some would say a flat earth map. Um, but you, so what we start seeing is star forts all over the place. Well, the narrative we're told about star forts, okay, that they were defensive positions that were placed uh, as to guard kingdoms, to guard cities, to guard areas of transportation, things like that. Well, they also were named batteries. Okay. And some have made the connection. Oh, well, you know, a battery, one definition is a container consisting of one or more cells in which a chemical energy is converted into electricity and used as a source of power. Okay. And then the other is a fortified emplacement for heavy guns. And that's more than likely what these are, right? Is is they were fortified. Yeah. Um, it, I'm going to real quick, I want to jump in there. Just the interesting thing when you said that, uh, I don't know if you follow Kanye at all, Kanye West, but he's been talking a lot about like new buildings, right? And new way of doing architecture and living quarters. And he's calling them cells. And so I just wonder, you know, maybe there is some... Uh, energy siphoning or something going on within these structures or like the way that things are being set up where it's maybe somehow almost using the cells as energy uh, or even the people within them, if that makes sense. Oh, there. Um, well, Matthew brought this up. He was looking at the his uh, one of his sons was having a new school constructed in their area and he's looking at it and he sees the steel beams and he starts looking. He's like, they're just building Faraday cages. That's all mm -hmm. they are. And that's what these modern buildings are turning into. They're just they're just Faraday cages. So you're absolutely right. They're little cells. They're yeah, little they're little containers. They're going to keep your energy in there. They're not going to let any of the good 
you know, um, vibrations, any good frequencies in, they're going to block. So yeah, it's not going to be healthy <laughs> moving into yeah. cities. I highly yeah. recommend people get out of cities. I mean, we, it, we see that in the, um, sorry to cut you off. I, we see that with like animals right when you you see diseases start popping up when they get too crowded if they're living free range or able to spread out you do not see diseases coming up as often if if at all if they really are living good you know um so yeah i think that anytime we get too i actually had a theory that maybe all of the diseases that supposedly came over right when um we came to america or whatever maybe the diseases were actually just from so many people being stuck on a boat for so long crowded together. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. With rats and all sorts right, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. No latrines, you know, you're just going, yeah, absolutely disgusting. But no, it wasn't us. We weren't the, you know, the, the, the Europeans right. weren't yeah, the yeah, pigs, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. just amazing. Oh. Yeah, so that's a great point though. I just wanted to highlight that because yeah, I think spreading out as much as we can is the ideal way and the way it's supposed to be. There's so much untapped land on earth and we just get sandwiched into these small little pockets. Um, and I think that's a cause of a lot of our issues. And so th this was kind of portrayed as like the modern, there's, I think there's maybe two theories of like it was for war and then maybe also it was meant to be like this, um, what's the word people always use for like the ideal civilization or whatever? Like, uh, anyways, what was this meant to be like, perhaps oh, like a, a utopia almost? Yeah. Utopia. Sorry. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Was this maybe an idea of like how a utopia could look? See, I, I, I wouldn't go that far because okay. I mean, the, they're, they're great um, little structures and, 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 and setups, but you know, I, I think it's a it, see, and this is where I'm, I'm I'm one foot in, one foot out because I've I haven't been sold either way on it because I think these things could be of Im very important significance, right? I think these could have been possibly some sort of grid system that were interconnected, right? They had sacred geometric patterns. Now. The explanation for it, and, and, and we'll go into it, let me get ahead here a little bit, is um, that they were for defense, right? So they start creating these perfect geometric patterns. Now, mind you, when we're starting, we're talking the uh, 16th century, 15th century. So interestingly enough, this is also right around when the Jesuits come into play. And also when you have a lot of the conquests going on, right? Spain and France and Portugal and all these countries are, you know, supposedly just sailing around and colonizing uh, England, obviously, too. But um, so what you see now is these defensive positions and what they say, the reason for the, you know, all the points and and the intricacy of it is all defensive, right? It just gives them a further line of defense. And that's what this gentleman who I was, I was talking about before, when there's two guys, there's this guy, Sebastian Vauban. So he's French, later named Marquis. And he is a French military engineer um, who worked under Louis XIV. And he is credited with, 300 forts and he not only was he um known for 
creating the forts, but he was also an expert at siege warfare. So being able to attack forts. And he was credited with over 40 sieges as well, in addition to building over 300 separate forts. So, and, and just to let you know, 12, it says here in 2008, 12 groups of his forts were inscribed into the UNESCO World Heritage List for their exceptional engineering and influence on military fortifications in the 17th through the 20th centuries. So, um, you know, his his principles were used supposedly for almost 200 years. Yeah. Um, and that's I mean, that's first of all, I'll just say that that is the excuse they use for pretty much anything when they want to build something. Right. Is it's for defense. It's for your safety. It's for your own good. Uh, so, yeah, who knows what if that is actually the original purpose of them or the only purpose it could be multiple right uh yeah exactly could, yeah. i think it's a little of both i think you know one we see a lot of these star forts are built on top of other structures so something was there previously i was going to build, ask you that yeah yeah to build something because what you'll know what, what we'll see as we go through and i don't want to get stuck on one slide too long because uh it, it's just such interesting stuff but when you when you look at these things, yeah, we see above ground here, but there's almost 50% of the building underground as well, if not more. So in a lot of instances, they said it was easier just to build on top of the other thing and, and, and build up. So how this started was these started as like earthen walls, right? They would just make giant piles of dirt and rock and things like that. And is and, that documented in this process? Like, have you seen evidence of that or have they talked about that part of it? Or like, is it possible that they've found, because it is like a lot of the landscape is totally carved as well as just the stonework on top of it, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you look at some of these things and, you know, like there, there's one here in, in and, and these are Vauban, and this is the other gentleman. I'll come back to him in a second. But when we get up to like, uh, where is it? There's one here in, yeah, this one right here on the left-hand side here. This one is built on a hill, and, and the hill is right. also in the geometric pattern as well. So all the way up the hill side, they built this. So it's, yes, I mean, that's it's just I'm... amazing, amazing stuff. Do you think that, that was the 1300 uh, range of when they were doing the actual landscaping of the, um, like carving the landscape? Or do you think it's possible that those people found the landscape carvings and like built on top of that? I think a lot of that is, is likely that, you know, a lot of this stuff was here and, and we found it. And I think a lot of it was broken too, because you know, looking at the star forts and there's another thing, a commonality between almost all of them is water, right? If they're not built on top of a hill, and even if they are built on top of a hill, like this one in Portugal, there's a water source underneath. And, you know, we know the conductive properties of water. We know what water can do. And if these things are any sort of, of, of frequency device, um, some, so I've heard these things described as anything from portals to um, resonators to 
cymatic frequency generators to, you know, defensive fortifications and, and, and uh, to healing centers. They have, I mean, there's people out there making all sorts of claims about what these are. And the, ma the magic of it all is, is you can go to the textbooks and a lot of them will talk about just, they'll give you the strict military, the posts, you know, um, Vauban explanation of these. But we see them pop up over and over again. And they were here, you know, long in the, in the early 1700s here in America. And, and so you see them all uh, pop up all over the world. Now, were these people going all over the world? Yes. The Spanish, the Portuguese, right? Everybody's, we, we tend to think that like people were very sedentary at this time. No, there were people you know, in ships traveling all over, trading, um, plundering, you know, looking for new territory to conquer. So these things, there's, there's so much to them that there's, there's magic, I think, to them as well. I think they're on energetic areas. I think, yes, that's part of the reason for their significance, right? That's why they need to be protected. Not all of them, though, right? Some of these were just strictly cities where people are living, and they they built them to protect them, which makes makes perfect sense, you know. Yeah, um, and the fact that they're always surrounded by water, and it seems to be have agricultural land around it. Several. Yes, um, that's another thing I, I wanted to get into because what you also see around a lot of these is farmland, right? You'll see patches of i'm trying to see here uh these ones don't really show it but um yeah they, they tend to have like yeah so if we look at this one it, it has the outlying area up here on the top is more of like where crops would grow and what we'll see in a later slide is they had these fields and you know if if these star forts are in sacred geometric patterns and water is going around them and, and, and creating a current either around it, through it, near it. And that water is being fed that frequency of that uh, star fort. Well, then there's some reports out there that these fields that around the star forts grew unbelievable crops. You know, they had just unheralded yields on these things. And let me see if I can find. I them. wonder if that only lasted for a while. Like, I, I wonder, because to me, when you look at these things, the first thing that stands out is it doesn't look natural, right? Like it, if it doesn't flow with, with the landscape, it stands out. And I, oh, almost, absolutely. Wonder, I almost wonder if doing this, like it looks cool and it, maybe it does have something that we don't know about, but like. I, you feel like if you did it this way, if you organized your city this way, that you would deplete the nutrients really fast. You know what I mean? There's like these two schools of thoughts of like living. There's like the nomads and then there's like the people who just stay in one spot. And the thing about the nomads is they're moving around because they're not depleting one area, right? They're able to move around and then let that area recover. But when we establish these cities that are like, you know, we're kind of forcing our own structures around them instead of like working with the natural flow it seems to almost disrupt it more does that make sense yeah oh absolutely yeah because th there is like like you're saying a flow to things right and cities are almost stagnant they're sedentary they don't move 
But what's interesting about the star forts is they also tend to have either a tower in the center of them, a cathedral in the center of them, some some sort of large structure in the middle. And it, it just they they have too perfect of a sacred geometry for just no reason, right? And again, we're talking in the the 15, 16, 1700s, we're not talking about the heaviest of machinery. So this is going to take intense labor to get these things done, intense manual labor. And, you know, they're capable of amazing feats. I don't put it past them at all. But like saying, is it natural? That's a great question. And no one's, no one's ever really brought that up, to be honest. Everyone's always said the opposite. Oh, it's like a snowflake that was just dropped on the land. And I never thought about it from the other side that, that you said that, you know, maybe them staying here too long would eventually kill the land and any sort of circuit that you created, it would short out and it's going to die. It only has a certain lifespan. Yeah, because you pointed out, right, I think on your other presentation that um, in some of the instances they would like spend years, like so long making these things and then they would just abandon them in like 10 years, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's what you see. You see some of these where... It, they took all this time to build it, and then all of a sudden, boom, within you know a decade, they're gone. Now, was it ransacked and raided? You know, there's a lot of instances and possibilities. Um, one of the interesting coincidences, you know, you just look at things and, you know, you look at some of the patterns of the star fort. They have an eerie similarity to the Mayan calendar. Um, some would say CERN even. Um, so just little interesting things out there as, you know, kind of correlations. Yeah. And, and like is, you said, these go, these pretty much, it seems like they always go into the earth at some, in some way or form. So, you know, having that, if you go back to the last one that looked like CERN, well, CERN is almost all underground, right? So maybe we're seeing kind of the top of it, but underneath is like the whole mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. And and this is a good depiction of what you're going to see sort of underground. We're not talking about these tiny little crawl spaces. I mean, you're, you're talking yeah, about crazy. tunnels, ammo depots, living quarters, um, hospitals, things like that. So, uh, you know, and even treatment plants, things, all sorts of stuff. Now, the thing about this one right here, though, which is quite interesting, is that this one was revamped in like the last 50 years. Um, and actually, uh, Ewar and Wooden Nichols did a really good video on this one showing how I think it was like right after World War II, maybe the mid 1950s. This this didn't look like this at all. And this is Bortrange in the Netherlands. And it looked like it just it was all overgrown and didn't look anything like this. And it took them about a good 30, 35 years. And I think in the nineties, finally, they got it to look like this. So that that's one of the things that people, you know, want to need to look into too, is that not all of these are as old as we're told. And some may be a little bit older than we're told and may have gotten a facelift or something like that, like we talked about before, where they build on top of each other. But right. the, the amazing thing is that there's just so much underground. So if you look, 
at some of these diagrams, it'll show you some of the different tunnels and, and, and systems and chambers they would have underground, ways they could move troops underground. Um, so an extensive network of these star forts was underground. Um, this one here blows my mind. Uh, this is Fort Jefferson. It was built in 1867 out in Florida Keys. Um, they used about 16 million bricks for it. And in the middle of it used to have a giant lighthouse, um, but they took it down in uh, like a decade later or so. But again, it's this. And if we're thinking energetically, you're going to have the needle in the middle, water source all around, and, and your batteries in the middle. And that's a defensive position. So it's here's a, here's. I'll go through a couple different styles, right? This is a four point, you know, very simplistic. Um, obviously, you can see the military advantage of this with the, the pointed ends. You're not going to have any dead zones when you're getting attacked. Here's a five pointed star. Um, again, it looks like a snowflake, right? I mean, it's perfect geometrically, too. And, you know, <clears throat> One of the things I, I point out is, again, the architecture, the landscaping skills, the precision with which this is done. I mean, you look at the size of the buildings in relation to the size of this canal. And, and then and look, at, look at the cuts on the canal on both sides. And it's, it's amazing craftsmanship. Yeah, and how they do all of this in the water. Like a lot of these are in the water or very close to the water and they somehow are like digging and making it stay there throughout all of these years. It's crazy. Yeah, well, one of the things that, that Vauban is credited with is being able to drain these places, right? So he would drain it, build it, and then let the water back in. Right, and yeah, that's what I figured they were doing. Yeah, and they also were able to work with a type of Roman cement, which as it gets underwater, it hardens. So, and it okay. is, it's one of the most durable cements known to man. Um, that, that Roman cement and the American rock cement are two of the most just amazing cements ever created. They're so durable. Um, they handle water extremely well. So that's why some of these held up so well, because so, the, the material was just outstanding that they used. And they learned it early. They learned it in like the 1600s, um, what type of material to use to be able to put these underwater and have them be able to sustain themselves. Yeah, because I, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because it's something that you can make on the spot and then mold it sort of up, right? Instead yep. of having to like carry a lot of large stones or something to the location does that make sense and is that is that what you were finding is most of these were made with those methods yeah a lot of them are are just using the earth right a, a lot of them are just using the terra itself and just carving out of it now some of them are brick that's where you know you get like the one we showed in fort jefferson down the florida keys i mean they use 16 million bricks to do that so that that's got to be a quite an effort 
to be able to, to haul 16 million bricks out to the middle of the ocean. So that's one where it's like, oh, that, that one's interesting. That's, and each one of these is very different, right? So this is a star city. Um, you see some that are this size, some that are islands, entire islands that are stars. This is what we call a hedgehog um, because of the pattern around the outside. And again, if and, and if, if we're talking about frequencies, and this is just something I, one of the things that is still going through my head is when we see the frequencies here, if you're thinking, where would these frequencies be emanating if this structure was emanating? And it would be out towards the land, right? Out towards the city over here on the left, out towards the fields up here on the top. So any positive frequency or any, you know, any water that was coming out of here would be generated in that direction and may benefit. You know, and that's when I look at these, because if you look at the fields directly outside the sea, I mean, you see the different... Um, uh, field types, growing different things. I mean, it, it looks like it could be pretty self-sustained. Mm -hmm. Do you have that um, image you had of the different Starfort locations in America? Uh, yes. Let's see here. Let's go down. Where is America? Okay. Um, do you have the one of just the map with like the little checkpoints? Oh, okay. Yep. So I saw this on your presentation and the first thing that I thought was like, it's, and I don't know if this is even topically colored or not, but it seems like there's just a lot of green color on the right and the left, like where the majority of the star forts are. Do you know if like the greenery is actually greenery? Like, is that topically accurate? Does that make sense? I think that's, yeah, I think that's like forests okay. areas. Because, I mean, the center of America is more brown, right? More deserty. Yeah, so it's going to, and, and it's interesting you say that because um, my buddy Randy over at the Red Thread podcast, he talks about how this area that has the, would be in the yellow here is, is scarred, right? And was part of, uh, like, have you ever heard, seen the Lichtenberg scars? I don't Which think so. Those, like when you put a piece of metal in the wood and it burns like a, a tree branch pattern into wood. Okay. Electric current and everything like that. It's like electrical scarring. But he, he says, and that's why a lot of this area out here also has the red clay, right? The red rocks, everything's red out there. It's, it's heavily oxidized. Um, so it could be, yeah, it could be pretty accurate. I, I never even thought about that. I've, I've always just looked at the dots. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just, I mean, I just, because I, we've heard that these potentially made the agriculture or the land around it more vibrant, more abundant. Right. So when I saw this, I was like, well, it does look like where the star forts are. There's a little more greenery. Um, yeah. And if you look at where the star forts are, it's very interesting. I don't know if you're familiar or not, but from Florida all the way up to Maine is the intercoastal um, waterway. So there's what, you know, up to DC at least. It goes, I think it goes all the way up to New York, but there's a waterway that runs all along the East Coast. And it's a canal they built, supposedly, that goes from Florida all the way up the coast. And it was, 
you know, supposedly used during the wars to transport goods up um, safely without having being targets of U-boats and things like that. Yeah. So it's it, it, I mean, these star forts line up right along that intercoastal line as well. Um, and, and if you get that and then you would loop up through New York and then down um, into Lake Michigan, right, and get in there and then you can connect back out with um, the Mississippi River. And they, they said there was like a loop, you know, it's almost like a circular loop that you would form there. And, and that's, you know, where we do see a majority of the star forts. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense, though, as like a military operation, because that is like a strategic barrier you can see, right? If you have star forts all along the coast there, and then we probably weren't as worried on the on the west side. Um, but yeah, it, well, and, we were, maybe, I don't know. It's different people that were living out there, right? And west of the Rockies at this time wasn't really, I mean, we had just gotten there. We're talking... If we're if we're talking 1850s now, they started building all these supposedly in America. Um, you know, we're barely out past the Rockies at that point. We're you know just into the gold rush, so we're still they're still trying to sort out what history went on out, out on that side of the the country at that time, because uh, you know there's a lot of what we're starting to see is, you know, um, and we, well, we know there was, there was Chinese out there. We know there was Moors out there. There was a lot of different, you know, civilizations or peoples out there in addition to the natives. Right. So, so maybe it was, it was more so that we just weren't established over there when the star forts were really popping and, and popular. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, well, it's a, it's a matter of record thing too. Right. They're, they're telling us that really nothing happened out there pre 1850. Right. It was it was just a bunch of nomadic uh, Indians wandering around the plains. That's all that was going on out there. There was nothing of any significance. It's like, wait a second. Everywhere else in the world, there's significant things going on. But the western half of the United States was just kind of a, a, a playland. Wild West. You know, I, I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that there's ne oh, yeah, never for any sure. civilizations. But then you go into like Utah, and you, you you know, in in Salt Lake City, and start seeing all these extravagant buildings that are there that just start popping up, supposedly. It's like, uh, or they were founded, is what a lot of them are said. Right. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for bringing that map up. I just thought that was an interesting point. And uh, real quick, kind of on the same topic, didn't you say that they started in Europe and then we kind of were catching up over here like later? Uh, like are the earlier forts in the 1300s? Yeah, the about the 1400s is when it's interesting because they credit. Let me see if this is the one I want to. I'll go way back here to the beginning. Uh, Sorry, yeah, I got you because, jumping all around. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, this is good. It's the, again, let's go back to the narrative. The design was said to be employed by Michelangelo in the defensive earthworks of Florence and refined in 16th century by Alcazar Peruso and Scamozzi. So, again, Michelangelo, man credited with just about everything, is credited with one being one of the engineers of the original idea in Italy. Now, 
I, I'll bring, I'm going to bring us to a little left field because I, anybody that's interested in this, I think you should listen to this. And this is kind of a, a newer take on this um, that I got from uh, Paul over at What the Flock TV. And he's big into um, Janus. And Janus is a Roman, uh, a Roman god. He's kind of like the god of everything. And I cannot find this slide here. Give me a second. Um, yeah, we're, no. Okay. All right. Um, where, where are we? Oh, I'm bouncing around. Sorry, guys. So there's like a, is there like a specific stuff for it that has, okay, here we go. Okay, so he, Paul over at Wolf Locked, he on, on YouTube does Janice. And he's, Janice has a lot of ties with the number 11 and he shows up everywhere in what the research that Paul does. So Janice is like the God of gods, right? He's, he's, um, Ianus means arched passage or doorway, okay? And um, he taught man, supposedly, to make walls to surround cities. Well, that kind of sounds like Star Forts, right? It's a walled city. And now he's also the god of keys. So you think of like frequency, frequent keys, cymatics. It's, he starts drawing these conclusions or, or you know, trying to tie these things together to say that, okay, we look at these cymatic patterns that we're seeing here, these geometric shapes, man, he's almost saying that these are a key given to us by Janus, because he also says that Janus is the king of the airwaves. He's the king of the ether. Um, he's the king, he's the god entrances, exits, and passageways. He's, he's one of these like God of everything for them. Um, and, and you'll recognize Janus as the two-faced God, right? He has usually one face that's facing one way with horns and then one face that's facing the other way. And that's, you know, forward and backward, in and out, beginning and endings. That's kind of what he represents. So now how does he tie the star forts? Well, there's uh, a star fort in actually in Italy that's called Ionis Geminis, and it's a giant walled enclosure there. Well, Janus was the first king of Italy, okay? He founded Genoa, supposedly, which was, according to this uh, narrative that Paul was presenting, he, it was Genoa was the progeny of the giants. And he said, well, the, what's also that's interesting is, is that the Genoese who are traveling around the Mediterranean in that area a lot, that area has a high concentration of star forts. So he was wondering, you know, he's making the correlation that Janus is the one who originally created all these star forts. Interesting. And, yeah, I, I will say that uh, in the Bible, a lot of times when uh, the like nomadic people were going up or trying to get to places, they had to go through these giant star forts that were like, or they, they weren't called star forts, but they were depicted as these giant walled structures that cities were within. Um, and they were usually giants that were living within them. 
So that is interesting. Also, the word uh, was it Genoese. I've been doing a lot of uh, talks lately on the gin and how there's many mythos on how we get almost engineering from the gin. And Ooh. so I wonder if there's some connection there as well. Oh, engine. Yeah, that's and, and we know they love their word magic. So mm -hmm. I oh, that's and a good en one. engine engine. Yeah. It makes us go, right? It gets us places. It takes us to and fro. Wow. So perhaps, uh, uh, what's the word, Janice? Perhaps Janice is a gin or a gin. spirit. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. I'm going to have to ask Paul about that because he, he's great with stuff. So what it is, is, and what I was talking about before, not only do you have the star forts, and I'll show you a couple more of them. That was the hedgehog that we showed before. This is Malta, okay? And this is a whole, basically an island. And you'll see over on the left-hand side here, you start seeing some of the star points that would divide out and they would use, and even the coastline has some jagged points around it. Um, Looks like they got lazy with this one. <laughs> yeah yeah they just use the landscape because i mean honestly, or maybe that's better honestly but it's easier right but then you get something like this where they went above and beyond and they carved this thing out and specifically made it so it wasn't now you always have usually two to three area ways to get in and out of like a standalone city like this that, you know, wisely, they'll never just have one inch and exit, which is very easy to uh, siege. And then you get some like this, which are real interesting, right? They build half on one side, half on the other side of the water. And it's almost like the water ran through it and destroyed it and split it. Um, but on the other hand, these waterways were very valuable at the time. So it was also a way to cover yeah, it could be strategic too, right? Like you could have yes. boats come in and drop off supplies. And then you could also have um, agricultural reasons for having water flowing through the middle of the city. I think it could make sense for both. Absolutely. And that's why I, I when I started out, I was like, oh, it's so stupid. Why would they do this for defensive? Per no, it's not strict defensive. Like you just said, this is a great storage spot for supplies. It's a good, well, it's and a if good you tra trading spot. Even if it is military, right, you're going to have military people living there. So you might as well have it be, you know, as like self-sustaining as possible or as efficient as possible. Yeah. And, and a lot of the kings did them in in midi, you know, in the original time of, of the creation of these it was an easy way to keep your people contained. Right. An easy way to keep them in there. Easy way to keep them protected. It was cheaper than having them all about and having to con contain this whole large realm. They could keep it in, in a walled city. So that was another benefit to this that they had originally. Yeah, that's a good point. And we still see, I mean, like the Pentagon, that's like my, that's the thing that comes to my mind, which is very much a military operation. And that's kind of like a star fort, right? Oh, exactly. Then, yeah. It's a five-sided star, you know, and, yeah. and, and these are some of the other ones that will, you know, you look and they vary so greatly. You get some, I mean, this is a huge city and it's multiple islands, right? It's not just one island and it's not just one layer. They do multiple layers, even in the water. Um, 
think about trying to siege that. I mean, that's that's a hell of an effort to try and get to that. You're gonna have you ever like, have you ever been to any of these? Have you ever seen one in person? I've seen uh, one in upstate New York, but that was it. And you know, honestly, it wasn't that impressive. I'd like to go to Fort McHenry down in Baltimore. That one looks beautiful. There's some actually out in Boston I may try and go see, which is kind of, you know, it's a couple hours from me. But again, those are, they seem like they're more run down and right. not saying, you, you, you know, you're going to be like, oh, wow, it's cool. It's a star fort. Are they like parks now or do you know? For the most part, they're, they're like UNESCO sites, right? Like they're heritage, they're, they're historical landmarks. Got um, okay. Very few of them have any sort of function whatsoever anymore. Um, but yeah, so what's interesting about them and, and we'll go, we looked at some of the different now I'll go into the United States history of them a little, they say all of a sudden in the 1850s, there's just this giant, ginormous explosion of them. 91 star forts in the U S are built in the 1850s alone. So in 10, they're cranking out almost 10 of these a year, nine of these a year around the United States. Now. Some of them are not very impressive. Some of them are very shabby. Um, they are just a, a quick four, four-pointed star, very obviously defensive position. Some of them didn't even have very extensive undergrounds. They were just, you know, basically a sub-level under, under the initial star fort underground, and that was it. But some of them are extremely uh, detailed. You know, like we showed Fort Jefferson before, Fort McHenry's another beautiful one um, up here on the on the right hand side. Fort Morgan down in Alabama, a nice one. Um, and guys, they're all over. And what's amazing about them is people are finding more and more of them every day on Google Earth. Some that have been washed away, uh, some that have just you know been overgrown, and and some that. Ha, probably haven't even been touched in years. So there in in if you're on if you're east of the Mississippi, it's highly likely that you're pretty close to a star fort or two, you know, within an, a couple hours drive. So they are all over. Yeah, and, if anybody ever uh finds any and takes any photos, reach out to uh both of us. I'm sure we would both love to see some oh, I'd love to feet see on, some feet on the ground, some like personal shots, you know. Yeah, I have a friend over in Russia who's been sending me in St. Pete, he's been sending me a lot of uh boots on the ground stuff lately. And man, nice. the old world architecture over there is just amazing. The statues, the lights, the cities, the bridges, everything. It's like going back in time. Is a lot of that stuff, do you think, a uh, similar molding or similar material used to make those, like cements or brick? Those are old, you know, those are legit. I think a lot of our stuff, mold, you know, um, the, the, the stuff that we're seeing now, I mean, it's tough to tell because some of the old stuff, like I, I keep going back, Salt Lake's one that always just blows my mind because out in the middle of Utah, just all these amazing buildings or we go out to San Francisco, right? Where just after the gold rush, all these extravagant buildings start popping up. 
I don't know. I think some of them are old. I think some of them are older than we'll ever know. I think they survived the last cataclysm and, you know, they've just been refaced or modified and given a new story to whoever, whoever's done it. I mean, there's some people that say the Washington DC has been around for hundreds of years. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't know. Some of these structures that they seem crazy. It seems like they're, and it's like, to me, the megalithic ones that look crazy and like, how did they do that? That makes sense to me actually, because in my mind, like there was an advanced civilization that had some technology that we don't know about, but like the more modern or what we were told modern buildings that look almost equally impressive, but we're being told that they were done in a time where it was still like horse and buggy. And like, there's these giant stones that are cut like intricately. It's yeah, I don't know. It's some, there's there's definitely a dissonance there. There is. There's a disconnect to the story. Like now, don't get me wrong. The the people in the quote unquote horse and buggy time were some damn capable people. They could get shit. Oh yeah, for they, sure. I mean, they, they, they knew how to work with like uh, things without even cutting it and still make it solid. So yes. yeah, there's definitely ways. And and this is one of the big problems with society today is we don't know the natural sciences right the the you go back to the trivium and the quadrivium which are you know the natural sciences of logic and rhetoric and grammar and geometry and music and and the sciences that were not taught anymore. and that's why these people were able to build these structures because they knew the geometry they knew the way the the water needed to flow to make the thing work. They knew the shape of the building that they needed to create a certain, for, to get it to resonate at a certain frequency. I mean, they knew these things because they knew the natural sciences. We don't know the natural sciences at all. We are so in touch with the natural way of living that, you know, I think that's par for the course. I think that's intentional. I think, and I think architecture is a large part of that. And I think that's why for the past 200 years, you've seen nothing but destruction of old architecture and the old infrastructure, the old grid, so to speak. Yeah. So do you think it was, do you think there was a period of time that was more harmonious and we were more in touch with, um, nature, uh, and I think parts, like that because right I say, because I think, like I the star forts all... the star forts, sorry just real real quick sorry the star forts seem like they're examples of like of beauty and so forth and maybe they're in touch with nature but they also seem like they had a very military um point or like reason behind them and so I almost wonder if like some of the architecture was used to manipulate and actually uh, take advantage of how people felt within that building, if that makes sense. Oh, I think um, that's an absolutely great question because I think anything that, that we fantasize about being used in only positive manners, guys, come on, think about who's been ruling this realm for the last couple, maybe thousand years. It's if they if there's any way to do negative or have negative intentions, you don't think they're going to find that as well. So I think, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think some of these were used to emanate harmful frequencies and to do harm and, and to do dark things. 
Yeah, because they're like you find them mostly in like governments or religious buildings, right? And those are both the main sources of controlling people. And so, what better way to control people than to when they walk into a building, all of a sudden, all of those frequencies and emotions are firing off because they know exactly how to target you. Oh、um, yeah. That's what I see happening, and I see that almost we need to get away from all of the angles and all of the cool stuff, and just get in touch with like who we are internally, and then like yeah, with God and with Earth. But I almost feel like these angles and everything are ways to actually keep us trapped. It's yeah, it's a cell, right? You said it before. Exactly. It, it,、yeah. it almost resembles a cell, and if you think about the star cities, right? They would the cathedral in the middle. And that would be the the heart, the life force, and everybody's going into there. But these people are essentially prisoners of that city, because they're not leaving the larger walls of the city, other than to go inside, trade, go to the store, go to the, the、uh, lepers. That's where the lepers go. That's where the unclean go. Yes, right. So it's it, it, yeah, you could see it as a prison. I'm sure there's a lot of dark energies in some of these star forts, also, and that's. That was another angle that I looked into. I haven't looked too too deeply yet, but could these possibly have been、uh, some sort of prison system that they set up? Right. These are just connection points to say, okay, you thou shall not cross. We've set our land here. This is the barrier. You try and cross. This is our land now. This is our prison. So stay、yeah. out. And、You're、it's a great way to flow. You know. Exactly, it's it, it stops the flow. It's a blockage, a barrier. Again, it's a、yeah. screen. And as we did that everywhere, right? All the dams, we dammed up everything completely, changed everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're think... we are constantly trying to play God, you know.、Exactly. And that's one of the.、Uh, I'm actually going to do a podcast this week, kind of an off the cuff one, because that's where I'm I'm going more towards the the you know、um, oh. Electric architecture, you know, looking more into electric bricks and and ley lines and the significance of geometric shapes and things like that in architecture. And one of the things that we're seeing is we're living in a time where everything's inverted, right? What's natural is unnatural today. What's unnatural is promoted as being natural. Uh, the further away they're, they're trying to disconnect man from God, any any connection to God should be broken. It's just a very unhealthy, unnatural world, and I think it's going to take like a cataclysm to go back to being a natural way of life. You know, as great as social media is, and as great as it is that you and I are talking right now, there's some black magic to it. You know, oh yeah, I mean, can... it's literally magic. I mean, if you look at the history of magic, right? What were they doing? They were talking to mirrors. We're、mm-hmm. talking. That's what a camera is, and they were using crystals. Well, that's what a computer is. It's crystals, and the so yeah, literally mirrors and crystals. <laughs> yeah, we're doing magic, and I again, I don't think it's that's what they called it at the time. There's nothing inherently evil about it, but I do think that we're being we're being created、uh, the square and compass. We're being put in a matrix. 
uh, throughout this with this new system. And I think that it's been handed down by perhaps these entities, these jinn who present themselves as shining ones, as these great ideas. And they seem like it because they're aesthetically pleasing. They're on the surface. They look great. But I think there's some underlying problems that uh, it's almost like a slow boil, right, of the frog of it seems nice. It's, oh, this is warm. This is cozy. And then all of a sudden, whoop, you know, to wait. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. And and that's why I look at these things on different levels, right? And another aspect I like to look is along that line is like our aura fields, right? The natural earth. And um are, could these things possibly harness some sort of free energy or be some sort of renator or anything like that? Well, if we look at like the human body, right? The our magnetic fields or our aura goes out around six feet around us. And that's why, you know, um, you know, you walk by somebody, you get the hair on the back of your neck stands up. It's like, Ooh, you know, you crossed energies with that person and it didn't vibe, you know, the way you wanted it to. So whoever built like cathedrals, they, they had that in mind. They had the idea of raising the spirit to getting people into a higher frequency or, to get people into a lower frequency, right? Because anything that can be used, like we said, for positive can also be used for negative. So um, you look at the materials, right? Limestone, it's associated with water, right? And, and that has the female properties. Granite tent and firestone have the male properties. So you put them together and they're perfectly charged from a polar standpoint. Um, and it's, you know, like an electrical circuit, uh, you look at it and it just, like we, we said, where it flows, it has the, those electric properties to keep everything flowing. And that, that may be what these star forts are as well. Um, but what I like is this lady right here. She starts explaining fractals and, and fractals and how that works with frequency, because I think if anything, these things are tied to frequencies, right? Between their ge geometric shape, the layout, um, the presence of towers, there could be something to that as well. So uh, just give her a minute here and listen to what she has to say. One side of the Coke snowflake will turn into four. After the first repetition, we'll get three times four first or 12 sides. After the second repetition, we'll get three times four to the second, or 48 sides. After repetition number N, we'll have three times four. So what you start seeing is these patterns in the star forts, right? These different fractals. And then we also see on tops of some of these buildings, these fractal antennas. And she's going to explain here, you know, what do these antennas there's a guy that's going to come on and explain what these antennas do. Regular antennas have to be good for one type of signal, and they usually work best when their lengths are certain multiples of their signals with. So FM radio antennas can only pick FM radio stations, TV antennas can only pick up TV channels, and so on. But fractal antennas are different. Fractal repeats itself more and more. The fractal antenna can pick up more and more signals, not just one. 
And because the perimeter of the Koch snowflake grows way faster than its area, the fractal antenna only takes up a quarter of the usual space. But it depends. In reality, uh, we cannot make it smaller than shorter than first initial wavelength. So it's a starting wavelength is big. We need bigger size. So we don't know what frequency we use, but we can state that we had free energy fractal antenna and the first preliminary wavelength was pretty big. And then it was the lowest frequency was pretty big, but the highest frequency was, you know, insane, infinite. What we do? We just take a normal uh, antenna, normal line, and then we use fractal as much as we can, as many times, triangle, triangle, uh, double, double, and so on. But triangle cough is not the only fractal. We can use... So, yeah, <laughs> that when you see that and you start looking at the patterns, it can make sense that th these things could possibly have been some sort of fractal antenna almost in addition, right? They could be, yeah. I, I go back to the multifunctional aspect of these things. Yeah, I uh, do think they have some relation with frequency with cymatics. If it wasn't the inspiration behind the forts, it was there is some um, direct purpose behind them. And it seems like because of the materials used, uh, there was probably more of the there was a purpose behind them and they were intentionally using the frequencies, um, whether it was to make the agricultural land supposedly more abundant. I know that's kind of a theory that gets thrown around. Also, when I was watching that, for some reason, it just made me think of uh, all of the cell towers we have around and the frequencies that they're emitting. And perhaps there's some correlation. Maybe the star forts were like the first try at something like that of like sending out frequencies on a mass scale. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's a great idea because yeah, on a small scale in every town. Right. When you look at a church and you look at their rose windows. The, 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 that's a cymatic pattern and that's going to give off a certain frequency, um, contain a certain frequency in the church. I think what they did is they figured out how to make it smaller because it's kind of hard to scale these massive buildings. <laughs> I think they figured out how to make it smaller and put them in every single city and every five feet. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier to put in a window, right, than to build a whole structure. No, that makes absolute sense. And that's why, you know, when I started looking at this, I did. I looked at I looked at the different frequencies, right? And sound is the vibration in the ether. Well, vibration that ex, you know, excites every magnetic field, in, including our body, right? Because we're full of water and water is highly susceptible to frequencies. So and, and water is an excellent conductor as well. So if we're working, you look at that side of it and cymatics starts showing us like the geometric shapes that, and, and how the different magnetic fields and vibrations and frequencies interact with each other. And so if you can get the right frequency and the right sound, right vibration, perfect, that place is going to be in harmony. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how they used to move 
giant stones like is if you could figure out the frequency of an object and you send that same frequency at it i think it will like make it well you can just move it kind of but i think there's something to it yeah i think there's a lot more to vibration and frequency than we now understand i think it played a much larger role in not only building but um terraforming because i think it's a very easy way to get rid of you know large amounts of land right um couple things first this is just a random thing but i want to mention to you before we go today uh an interesting thing i heard about recently is this thing called the shamir worm have you ever heard of this no so i found it in the story of solomon and supposedly solomon king solomon uh, son of david he used this thing called the shamir worm which like eats through all sorts of materials um and uh, like stone and diamonds it can like eat through it and so how do you spell like that a theory yeah it's s-h-a-m-i-r shamir nice. worm okay yeah so it's interesting because as we're talking about just ancient buildings and how some of these things were done i think it actually makes a lot of sense that if there was an organism like termites that could actually eat you know more different materials you could perhaps like send frequencies that made them eat in that frequency and it would like make that shape if that makes sense almost like a oh, yeah. 3d printed ai or something um, yeah but more Live more AI. natural yeah and the cool thing about that story is god had him use this specific tool because they weren't supposed to use tools that could be used for war to build and so mm -hmm. he had to use he had to seek out the specific worm so that they could use that to build the temple um wow. so yeah just another interesting tidbit i think it kind of relates to some of the stuff you did so maybe dig into that some more oh i'm definitely going to look into that now because that's again yeah. it goes I, I think there's such a significance in frequency i mean we see it over and over and i think there that like you just said there that it's such a weapon they didn't want it to be used and now forget about it it's starting to get unleashed and what we see, though, is it can be used for positive, right? And, and, and you look into all of the Emoto studies with the water and the different frequencies that he used, and um, you start seeing the different sacred geometric patterns with, with positive frequencies. You start seeing destruction with the negative frequencies. And I just find all that work really interesting. Um, actually, I got to is it right? Yeah. yeah. That's one that's like an experiment I want to be able to do someday is figure out how to audibly speak and see the cymatics that it generates because I would love to see like because there's Ooh. so many fact there's so many factors it could be is it the tone in which I'm speaking is it the actual words that I'm saying is it the intention alone there's so many more questions I have behind that behind this experiment but go ahead and explain it for those who don't know yeah, this is one where Dr. Emoto would take water and they would do different things to it, right? They would say positive things. They would say, I love you. They would say, I hate you to different water. And then he would go look at it under the microscope. And like, uh, where is it? Is this the one? Um, yeah. So we look here at the different shapes, compassion. Notice how, again, remember what she said before about fractals right? The, the more fractals there are, the better of a receptor it is. Well, look at this. I mean, 
this compassion it's perfect sacred geometry thank you beautiful plenty of fractals it's going to be very receptive wisdom truth they're all very you know uh pure very sacredly geometric shapes but then you go down here and you look at i cannot right and broken in half in half basically you look at stupid it's like a gunshot wound i mean um so what that is is showing us is that intention impacts water right and and words emotions frequency vibrations affect water well what do you think that does to you being that you're about 70 to 80 percent water you think your thoughts you think your words have an effect on you i mean it, it really makes you think about what you say to yourself and what you say out loud because i mean it's a powerful powerful tool and it can really impact us in a positive or negative manner yeah i completely agree uh when I started learning about all this stuff, one of the first things I did was I made the mantra for like my mantra is the fruit of the spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And I just I like say that every day that's repeating in my subconscious all the time. And so to me, that has been super helpful if I'm ever like stressed or in a, in a maybe a scary situation or something like that just triggers and that starts playing in my head and I'm I can move on a lot easier. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Hey, a lot of us are our own worst enemy. Can't get out of our yeah, own way, exactly. right? And that's yeah. that's where you start spiraling. But if you get that clarity and get that positivity going, get those water structures in, in a good positive format, you're going to get a lot more done. Yeah, because we're bombarded with negativity. I mean, most of the shows nowadays are about murder or, you know, murder mysteries seems to be the most popular genre uh or like action adventure war like that these these are everywhere in our society and so for me i was like okay how can i combat that let me just sort of brainwash myself with what i actually want what i want my life to reflect right yep well and then beautiful thing too real getting that like negative out of your life unnecessary unneeded right just the negative tv totally it's just dumbing you know and i've i i've gotten it was beautiful because I quit the television a couple of years ago and, and, you know, I just started renting a house and we have one here and I'll turn it on every now and then, but once I can't do it anymore, I do the, the, and it's not so much the shows, but as the ads, the TV ads and the commercials, it's like, Oh my God, it's so over the top and you just don't feel right. And, and on top of that, think about all the signals we're being bombarded with on a daily basis you know, between the, the radiations, the, you know, the, the stuff that's in the waters and everything that your body needs some positive and, and, and that, you know, little reaffirmation you have there is perfect because that can get you in that positive mindset and that's going to make a big yeah. difference. One of the, I think the most blatant examples of this is those commercials for all of the random medications, right? Where they like loud, they loudly and clearly say all of the things that this is going to do terrible to your body. I can't listen to it. It's like, I don't even want to think about all those things because if I think about it, it's more likely to happen in my opinion. And yeah. so I think that is a total word magic spell thing. It's like just and they messing play the people up. They don't even, they fall asleep and they hear that. Yep. 
oh yeah, and they're playing peaceful music in the background while they're telling you about, you know, you're basically just going to explode or rot from the inside out. But hey, <laughs> it's all good for you. Take or as, long as your doctor says it's a good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nine out of ten doctors approve. Well, I want to talk to that one that didn't approve. What's he got to say? <laughs> no, it's funny, sure. and that's you know, but that's what this. I I'm just getting into the whole concept of cymatics and and frequency and vibration and how powerful it really is because you look at it, and you know, there's that's basically what earthquakes are. Right. I mean, on a much larger scale, it's just frequency and vibration. And so this video right here is a cool little it just goes over the mystery of sound. What you are looking at now is not CGI or computer animation. It is simply a bowl of water with sound playing beneath it. Cymatics is the science of revealing the architecture of sound. Here we have sand on a metal plate. And if you change the frequency of the sound, you can see complex patterns forming. Zooming even closer on these patterns, you can see what looks like galaxies. The Sufi mystic Hazrat Inayat Khan said, Divine sound is the cause of all manifestation. The knower of the mystery of sound knows the mystery of the whole universe. It has also been said that sound is architecture frozen in time. So you may want to ask yourself, what type of invisible architecture are you embedding into your subconscious with the music that you listen to? I want you to really, really think this. Yeah, that's yeah, one getting, of those. Go ahead. I was just going to say, getting back to the that just this whole conversation is making me think of airwaves, frequencies, you know, you brought up Janus, who was supposedly that was kind of Janus's thing in the yep. Bible in Ephesians 2 1. Uh, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So I just wanted to bring wow. that. That's where my mind goes is I think this spirit has been alive and well throughout time and i think we're seeing it repeat or rhyme as i like to say history doesn't repeat it rhymes and i think perhaps all of these frequencies that we're being bombarded with that's kind of what's at play here oh yeah and and i love out of the disobedient oh man because that's that's exactly what it is it's all negativity that they're bombarding us with and you'll see even here i mean you look difference in the in the frequencies and you just see how the different vibrations affect us so you get you get some negative and you get some positive and the different patterns are just okay you get it so as the tone gets higher it gets more complex patterns because they're very natural structures very um, sacredly geometrically formed very round yes like That's they're not the rigid thing. our society is no. so rigid everything's rigid everything's and then look at this like you said everything flows in this. and that's why i don't know about you but those all those videos now that everybody's going around with um animals going around in circles and i think that's just frequency 
I think that's there. There's they're receiving a frequency, and that's what it's causing them to do. There's some sort of it, it's hearing that in their instinct. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. Isn't there experiments where people have done like frequencies and certain animals start kind of doing yep. that motion or insects? So yeah. Yeah, I've seen a guy with his even his cell phone. He puts his phone on the table, and there's ants all the around ants, it. Ants, right? Yeah, they start going in some pattern. So I think there's something to it. Now, how it ties to Starforts, I think if Starforts, the, the next level to Starforts of likelihood after being, you know, war machines are frequency centers, right, of some sorts. Yeah, they were a city, but I think they had to keep the population at ease somehow. And I think that's how they did it between the shape of the, uh, of the you know, the city, the water they had flowing around and the whatever tower source they had in the middle, I think it's kind of their combination to keep that as sort of a little healing zone almost or yeah, or something or a prison on the other side and a, you know, where they're walled in it's negative frequencies kind of like what we see today. Yeah. I think we need to figure out what shapes do what, and that's why I want to figure out how to do this experiment because the one thing, the water one that you were showing, and maybe this is just because it was water, I don't know, but they seemed like they all had like six sides or at least the ones that were, you know, like positively and reinforced and like the Pentagon is five. Um, so who knows, but it seems like most of those are like six, right? That's what it looks like. Yeah. So maybe wow, if you're missing one of the... If you're missing one of them, maybe that's where you get that dissonance and that starts bringing people's energy down or something. I don't know. I'm totally speculating, but there's so much yeah. to dig into here. This has been a great and that's presentation. One of the things I want and, and why I like presenting this stuff is so that other people can look into it too, right? Because I mean, I'm one person and I love this. Stuff. I got a job. I got a kid. I got a dog. I got, you know, I got, a, I got life to live too. So I can't just go researching, but there's so many smart people out there that take little pieces of this and run with it. Next thing you know, we start getting some answers here because I think that's a huge next step. Like you said, was tying shapes and cymatic frequencies to almost a value, right? To a meaning and see right. where we go from there. Yeah. And then another next step, I want to put out a call. If anybody knows anyone who has like relatives or history of anybody who was involved with these star forts that would be amazing to be able to talk with you uh, so please reach out it would be great to get like a testimony or even a story of somebody who was maybe living in one of these or around it during the construction just to see kind of what the general vibe was you know yeah, anybody worked on it you know and that's what i've been i've been trying to reach out to see if anybody's like great grandparents worked on any of these or if there's books out there about guys building them i'm just in America, it's so tough. Other than Fort Jefferson, you know, Fort McHenry, you can find books on. Um, but I haven't been able to find like the local archives yet for some of these places to dig into a little deeper. But there's it's certainly a fascinating topic. It's something I had ever heard about, you know, prior to about a year ago, um, maybe two years ago was the first I actually heard of them. But yeah, they're they're just really cool and they're all over the world and there's thousands of them. You know, um, there's some say there's upwards of 10,000 today on Earth. Um, 
on, you know, Grissom uh, searches that people do, they've identified, you know, up to 10,000 of them. So not all of them are active or functional, but we're, we're finding traces at least of some of them. For sure. Well, this has been a great, I know you got to go soon. We covered a lot. If anybody has any questions or comments or knows anybody who might have a story relating to Starforts, please reach out to us. Uh, you can find me at nomad.art, that's G-N-O-M-A-D dot art, or at Patreon slash nomad. Uh, Matt, would you mind telling the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at the Great Deception Podcast. Um, I have a link tree on there where everything, I'm on YouTube um, a little bit. Uh, Patreon's my main thing. I like to deal with, with my patrons. I got a really cool group of people on there. Um, and good discussions The we do once a month, we do a, a patron only call and those have been really cool. We get like five, five to 10 people on there and just, uh, just talk about whatever bring, you know, bring a topic you want to talk about. You bring photos you want to share. Um, and there's a lot guys, it's just been really cool to meet people like yourself, you know, that, it, that are interested in this stuff. Cause for years I felt like a, like a square peg in a round hole that didn't, nobody was into any of this architecture, any of these old buildings. And now that people are starting to get into it, it's really cool to share. Yeah, totally. Couldn't agree more. It's been a blast. It's been great getting to know you, Matt. I encourage everyone to reach out and support the channel. He's doing great work. Thank you everyone for tuning in and love y'all. We will see you in the next one. Peace. Woo!